From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hi, everyone. Bill Rentschler in the 1011 Now streaming studio, joined alongside, as always, by sports director Kevin Suits on a beautiful Wednesday morning. Kevin, we could have done the podcast from outside today because it's supposed to be in the 60s. I might hit range balls later today. Since you're talking about uh, the sporting things you can do outside, how about this? Nebraska baseball started practice on Friday. You know, there's still some snow on the ground here in Lincoln. Oh, yeah. But the baseball team the past two days has practiced outside. Not at Haymarket Park because it's a little soggy. They've gone inside Memorial Stadium. That would be a super cool place to have baseball practice. I'm totally on board with that. And the first time that they did it, there was a drone that was flying above the stadium. And the social media team that uh, promotes the Nebraska baseball program, they had coverage, some video of them taking ground balls, fielding fly balls, doing the baseball stuff inside the football stadium, all shot from above. That's super super awesome. So this leads me to a question for you. The old, like, Coliseum in Oakland when the Raiders – we're still in Oakland when you had football season and baseball season mixed and you'd have these football games where they'd be running on the grass and then all of a sudden they're on the baseball infield. I always really love to see those old highlights like that. Did you? I, it was always just weird. What's and it the was, general public feel about this? Do they know. like the football-baseball mix? Like, are they like a Bill Rentschler? They're like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, I, I was always just like that. <laughs> One, the football players... I feel like but the players who actually play on the surface probably hate it. But me as a fan, just seeing something different, unique like that, I was always like, I like that. In the spirit of player safety, I don't think that's going to fly in 2024. No, However, not. they have used, you know, baseball fields for football games. Mm-hmm. You know, Wrigley. there have been some games at Wrigley Field for college football. Uh, but there's no going over the infield. Mm-mm. Somehow they're able to position 100 yards Across the outfield. (laughs) And I remember Illinois played a game. I think it was Illinois Northwestern played at Wrigley Field. Maybe the first time they ever did it. This is when Michael LaShore was the running back for the Fighting Illini. That they realized the day before the game that there wasn't enough space beyond the back of the end zone. Like you were about to run into the brick brick wall, wall, the ivy wall. Yeah. So the team with the football always had to go in one, one direction, direction because they did not want to put anybody at risk going the other direction. I think that they've tweaked Wrigley Field to face maybe a little bit differently, so that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't think you're going to, the days of seeing the infield dirt in the middle of the football football field, I think are, are, are long done. But there's been baseball practice inside Memorial Stadium in January. And that's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. It's on my list of things to talk about because Baseball Fan Day is actually, what's today, Wednesday? It's on Friday. Yes. And then Softball Fan Day is on Saturday. And you talk about one of the bigger items if you're a Nebraska sports fan. How about getting over to the Hawks Championship Center on Saturday? Because not only do you get to see a nationally ranked team, Nebraska softball, preseason Around 16, 17, mm-hmm. depending upon what poll you want to look at. They're in all of the four major polls, but it would be your chance to meet and get an autograph from Jordy Ball, one of the best softball players in college softball, currently ranked number two by USA uh, Softball. And, man, she has really put a lot of oomph behind the upcoming Nebraska softball season, which begins, by the way, in Mexico, one week from tomorrow in Puerto Vallarta. 
I, th- I mean, that's going to be a super cool stretch because they play some. I mean, number seven Washington, number eleven Duke in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Yeah, they're we not should... asking any group of five teams or a mid-major to go down to Mexico and be a part of uh, that event. It, it is a who's who when it comes to college softball. They put together a great field, and I'm sure a part of the appeal, not that Nebraska would not have gotten invited anyway, because, you know, let's pause for a second. As much as Jordy Ball is the star of this team, they still have some really good pieces around her, uh, some returning all Big Ten players, such mm-hmm. as Billy Andrews, uh, who is now in her senior year. Yeah, yeah, no, that'll be, again, so that's, uh, February 8th is the first uh, game for them. They play uh, the 8th, the 9th, uh, and the 10th. So that's Washington, Duke, Long Beach State, and Utah Valley. So those will be, again, good things to watch. And, again, like we just mentioned, Baseball Fan Day is on Friday. They kick off in about two weeks um, on the 16th. And they're down in Houston. Um, in Houston. They have Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. So a uh, little Big 12 vibes there, even though I think – is Oklahoma still in the Big 12 for the baseball season? Do they we know? are. Okay. Yeah, you, for another, never, you never for know another year. Yeah, you got to pause because <laughs> now, you know, Central Florida is in the Big 12. Yes. BYU is in the Big 12. <laughs> I think everybody's going to need some sort of spreadsheet yes. or roadmap to know, yes. you know, as the Big 10 expands and as the SEC expands and the Pac-12 essentially disintegrates, you know, where are teams? It's going to be challenging in 2024. We're hanging <laughs> well, on right now. Where were they last year? Where are they this year? Are they still there? Does it count for this season? Does it not? So, yeah, lots of things going on. I'm sure nobody expected us to be talking about the bat and ball sports to start the In Report no. podcast no. on the final day of January. But, hey, there are some exciting things ahead. But also we're in the heart of the basketball season. Yes, and, again, we had the last time we spoke, we spoke glowingly about Fred Hoiberg and his team. But – we also said that you need to win on the road. You repeatedly said how difficult it has been this year to win on the road. And then, then lo and behold, Huskers travel to College Park, Maryland, and they laid a bit of a clunker. And they got out to a hot start, up 12-2, to two, but then they got taken behind the woodshed after that, and they got uh, beat 73-51 to 51 by Maryland. It's almost like a scene from one of those basketball movies where uh, it's like somebody put a certain – concoction together and forced the team to take a drink and they lost all their powers because Mm -hmm. the team that played against Purdue and beat their Boilermakers and Lincoln and even the team that beat Indiana and the team that beat Michigan State you know what was on the court at Maryland it is a not even a shadow of that outfit so it's like they ripped off their Nebraska jerseys and they put the rec YMCA jersey well, yes. well who, I don't think anybody could identify with who that team was they just had no mojo you know the crazy thing is they had the lead early in the game but once the game flipped and I said on the air Jameer Young might be the hottest player in the Big Ten right now and uh you know if you look at the conference standings, Maryland's kind of lurking right in the middle. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's a team that goes on a run and uh, makes a run at a possible possible double bye for the conference tournament next month. Yeah, they're sneaky good. Again, they, Again, their record, again, when Nebraska played them, I think they're like 12-8, and eight, something like that. But uh, it, it, like you said, when that game flipped, it, it flipped hard. And so Nebraska plays Wisconsin on Thursday. It's a huge game for Number the Number six, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's on their way up. They currently lead the Big Ten standings. They have been at the top of the conference for the past several weeks. Um, Purdue has two league losses. Wisconsin only has one. Nebraska, unbeaten at home 
in Big Ten play. Mm -hmm. You would like to say this is their biggest home conference. It's not, it's not the case because they already have the Purdue win. Mm -hmm. Is Nebraska capable of beating Wisconsin? Absolutely. But they're going to have to play really well. And I would not go so far to say that if the Huskers beat the Badgers, another top 10 win, another quad one win, that they're in the NCAA tournament because there's still so much season left. There are 10 games remaining on this schedule, five home, five road. So it's not like this gets the Huskers in because you could still play your way out, out. of the NCAA tournament bid. But I think that there's, you know, if you, if you like to go big picture, which is what we can do, coaches, players hate that discussion. Um, but that's part of the intrigue with February if you're a Nebraska basketball fan. What does that look like? If Nebraska wins the five at home, which would include the win over Wisconsin, that puts you at 20, a.k.a. the magic number. But I don't know if Nebraska could still get in the NCAA tournament by winning five at home and by losing five on the road. Because you're at 20, and the five league losses on the road means you're over in the conference away from Lincoln. That doesn't look good. Mm -mm. And a few of those road games you have, those would be bad losses. Michigan, Penn State are the top ones that come to mind. So it's not as simple as say, win at home, lose on the road, you're okay. Um, and again, if, if you beat Wisconsin, great. The resume looks really nice, and Nebraska's going to take a substantial jump in the Ken Palm and the net. However, that can all be undone by the road losses. So it's, right now, as it stands, a lot of projections have Nebraska in. Mm -hmm. I've seen some that have Nebraska out, and they're right on the bubble mm -hmm. and even possibly in the mix for the first four in Dayton. So Bracket Matrix has them in 80 of the 86 possible brackets and has them as the second 10 seed. There are 86 possible brackets. Well, I mean, you're everything from ESPN to CBS to some stuff in here where it's just a random collection of letters and numbers that I don't know what it means. So some of the college broadcast uh, podcasts. They certainly could be. They it might be included be. in the bracket matrix. Again, I, I think that the numbers you want to really look at, because there is so much out there, ESPN's bracketology, for the most part, is pretty close to what the bracket actually looks like. Um, the net, because that certainly factors with the NCAA selection committee. See where Nebraska's at in the net. Right now, they're they're in between 45 and 55. It fluctuates day to day. And then the Ken Palm, because the Ken Palm is just a, uh, it's a pretty advanced formula, which doesn't bring in the eye test. Uh, it's all computer-based, and it adjusts everything to, um, it just does a lot of adjusted uh, metrics, which I think give you a pretty good gauge of how a team is. It's right on Alabama. Alabama is an example here. Mm -hmm. uh, not to put on my top 25 pulse <laughs> hat. No, we want you to put that hat on. But as a couple of teams lost on the backside of the top 25 last week, you're looking at, well, who's going to replace some of those teams that played their way out of the uh, out of the top 25? Colorado State, for example. Mm -hmm. Bama's lurking. Mm -hmm. Their record's not too sexy. They have quite a few losses. But if you look at the Ken Palm, the Ken Palm's right. They're a top 10 Ken Palm team. Really tough strength of schedule. When they've lost, they haven't got blown out. Um, and they started the season with a pretty strong non-conference. They're 14-6. and six, They're seventh in the net. So there you go. And I think of the Ken Palm, they're maybe sixth. And Nebraska in the net is 58th today. So. 
So, but like you said, Again, that, that's that's bubble territory. That is bubble territory. But like you said, you got to win a couple on the road, just because if you go winless on the road, that's just a reason for the committee to say, yeah, why would we put a team in that can't win a game on the road? Because they're not going to be playing an NCAA tournament game at home. They're not going to be playing up in Omaha. They're going to be traveling. Because it would be nice to have Nebraska back in the tournament. That doesn't go – I mean, that's not at all what the NCAA selection committee will factor. Because even look at Nebraska's 2018 team, mm-hmm. um, you know, they had 23 wins. Mm-hmm. Didn't make it in. It's mm-hmm. not like there's a soft spot in the committee's eyes of bringing Nebraska into the NCAA tournament. If you look at Wisconsin, the game that uh, is ahead for Nebraska, this is a team that's not going to light you up offensively. Uh, they're your classic Wisconsin team. They're going to work inside out. And they have a pretty good point guard, Chucky Hepburn. And don't you feel like that storyline has maybe faded over the years? It has. But every time I see him come to Lincoln, I always just wonder what if. Because, again, Jamarcus Lawrence has, has filled in sort of admirably. And, I, you know, Aaron Euless was the guy who's, you know, kind of brought in to be the point guard before all the Iowa gambling stuff kind of got caught up. Um but, you know, if you could plug and play Chucky Hepburn in Nebraska's lineup right now, whew. Well, he distributes the ball really well. His st- like Statistically speaking, this might be uh, his weakest year so far with the Badgers, averaging less than eight points per game, still at about four assists per game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wisconsin, they again, they don't try to run you off the court. They will slow the game down. Um, I think they're maybe – first in the Big Ten and turning the ball over. They just protect the ball. They get to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Uh, they shoot, I believe, around 80% from the stripe. That might be a little too generous, but I know they're a really good uh, free throw shooting team. Uh, and they've, they've won at home. They've won on the road, and they have a couple of marquee wins, and they're beating Marquette. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the moment for them where it's like, this is a real deal team uh, in a squad that's worthy of contending for a Big Ten championship. For that, if you look at this from Wisconsin's perspective, not only are they looking to stay at the top of the conference, they know Nebraska right now. That would be a pretty solid win in a win that would help you stay at the top. And beating Nebraska in Lincoln, which nobody else has done, uh, would be pretty appealing. That has been an interesting kind of dichotomy this year. Uh, You know, again, the Maryland game for Maryland to win that game, they have to be excited. That's a great win for that team. That's a quad one win at home against mm-hmm. a top 50 net team. Usually sometimes, you know, if you beat Nebraska, it's, you beat Nebraska. If you lose to Nebraska, it's a bad loss, but that's not the case this year. Yeah, and listen, you know, I know I just kind of raved about some of the computer numbers and the formulas and the metrics, but listen to what some of these coaches say. Opposing coaches this year have been very quick to compliment Nebraska in the pieces they have and the system that they run. Um, we've heard it from Chris Holtman at Ohio State. Matt Painter spoke very highly of Nebraska, and Tom Izzo is another one, you know, because that was mm-hmm. in December still where the jury was out on Nebraska. Izzo said after losing to Nebraska here in Lincoln, he's like, this this team's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska shot the ball really well that night too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think just consuming, you know, some of those sound bites and getting a feel for what others think about Nebraska – I mean, we can get pretty submerged watching the team night in, night out here in Lincoln and then on TV when they're on the road. But some of the coaches across the league have, uh, you know, really been pretty quick to praise Nebraska in the makeup of this team. And uh, it leads you to believe that the Huskers have a chance. They have a chance mm-hmm. of getting in the NCAA tournament. Um, and it's going to be a fascinating February for this team. Do you think uh, – and the last couple of games have been without Juwan Gary. Um 
Hoiberg said it was a close decision, I think, against uh, Ohio State last week. I was surprised that he didn't play against Maryland. So hopefully that's uh, someone you can get back on the court tomorrow night against Wisconsin. Again, uh, they won that first matchup in Madison 88-72. to I think it's really interesting because when Jawan Gary suffered the injury at Rutgers, it's – you know, there was the big sigh of relief that it wasn't a uh, torn Achilles. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, a calf strain, and he was back on the court within a couple of days. It seemed as if there was a chance for Jawan Gary to play later that week against Northwestern. So he's had this day-to-day -day tag for nearly two weeks now. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I maybe would, based on what we were being told, it seemed like there was a chance he could have returned against Northwestern. And then last week, uh, both of the games, including at Maryland, it, it hasn't happened yet. Maybe they've said all along, we're going to save you, not risk anything, make sure you can get up and down the floor. I think that's the biggest thing with Juwan and the injury is making mm -hmm. sure he can run the court. Mm -hmm. I think in the half-court set, he's okay. Yeah. Um, but I think that they just miss a little bit of his um, grit. You know, they, they have others who play in that style. Sam Hoiberg comes to mind. But I think Juwan is just a little thicker. He can body up defensively and, and bang in the paint a little bit more. And he's a, a ferocious rebounder. And mm -hmm. I think Nebraska right now, if you look at some of the trends that have plagued Nebraska on the road specifically, the rebounding numbers have really been uh, a challenge for Nebraska. The Minnesota loss, the Rutgers loss, and then Maryland, uh, the, the rebounding has been very suspect in those games. So if you can improve on the glass, you increase your chances of winning. And I think the return of Jawan Gary will certainly help in that regard. So, yeah, like you said, February will be a really interesting month for Fred Hoiberg and his squad. Home, uh, home games against uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Penn State, Minnesota, road games at Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana, and Ohio State. And that, that road stretch is tough. You know, we highlighted this previously, Bill. You know, the microscopic, here's the four-game stretch, three of the four on the road, and they're smack dab in the middle of it. This is the one home game in a four-game stretch. It's against Wisconsin, one of the toughest opponents they will face this year. Uh, but the, the road games on the backside of this – at Illinois, at Northwestern, those are both tournament teams, and they're both really tough places to play. So this is a huge stretch for the outlook of this season. Last year, February is when they got hot, so we'll have to see if they can mm. repeat it, do it two years in a row. And, but, sorry, I'm, I'm going yeah, to tack one more point on about Nebraska basketball. As I know we're talking about the regular season and the NCAA tournament, don't forget about the Big Ten tournament. Where does Nebraska land here? Because even if you know the Huskers are on shaky ground at the end of the regular season, they could still possibly play their way into the big dance mm -hmm. with a strong showing in Minneapolis. That's mm -hmm. where the Big Ten tournament is this year. And so the Huskers, as it stands right now, I think that they would have this succeed. And I hate even saying that because there are 10 games left on the schedule they could conceivably play their way into a double by top four seed. They could play their way down into one of the first round games. There's a it's Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern are your top four seeds right now, and then Nebraska's in a mix with four teams sitting at five and five. That's Indiana, Maryland, and Michigan State. Yeah, I have you know wins over Indiana and Michigan State, one loss against Maryland. But again, that's what I'm saying. Nebraska could could drop as low to ten. Yeah, You know, if they really falter down the stretch. Uh, but again, like, all would not be lost. 
because if Nebraska gets to 19-20 wins, you win three games at the Big Ten tournament, and one of those three is probably, probably going to be against a pretty good team, they could still have a case for the tournament. So I, I know a lot of fans are fixated on what's the regular season win mark. Don't forget, and this is common, this is, this is classic college basketball. There are teams on the bubble, and sometimes the bubble bursts based on how you play at your league's tournament. That's one of the things that makes Conference Tournament Week so fascinating. You will see teams from the Big East, SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, um, all the way down the line. You'll, you'll see them play their way out or play their way in. And then, of course, if you love the mid-majors, there are bid stealers, teams that will end up winning a league, uh, and then it takes it from a bubble team. So just looking at the conference standings here, because they break it down, home games, away games, and again, we've said how tough it is to win on the road. Just adding up the conference away game uh, records here, well, first, Purdue has the, the best. They have com- four, across four, the league? four wins in conference on the road for Purdue. But quick math here, uh, I'm not 20 and 47 is the <laughs> combined uh, record for away games. Tell me that again. 20, 20 and 47. So there have been 20 wins on the road? Yes. Yeah, so Nebraska is winless on the road. Penn State is winless on the road. Ohio State is winless on the road. And Rutgers is winless Okay, I want to know where those wins are coming from because I'm pretty sure nobody has gone into Mackey Arena and won at Purdue. Yeah, that Purdue, would be an Purdue's, breakdown. Purdue's undefeated at home this year, right? They are, uh, yes. Purdue's undefeated at home. Yeah, so is Wisconsin. Nebraska's undefeated Nebraska at home. Nebraska and, and Northwestern. So the most is Michigan. They're 1-4 and four at home. And then you have th- uh, Iowa. Iowa's two and three. Penn State at home is three and two. Okay, so there's where a few of those road wins are coming from. Michigan, Penn State. Who does Nebraska still have road games ahead against? Michigan, Penn Michigan, State. Penn State. What's what's Illinois? They only have one loss at home. Correct? Four and one. Yep. Four and one at home. What's three Northwestern and at home. Uh, five and zero. Oh. Five and zero. Oh. Okay. So this stretch right now, it's going to be really tough to win on the road, but there are gettable games away from Lincoln. In February. You just got to get them. Later. In you just got to get them. Uh, flipping over to the women's side. Uh, again, they've lost a couple in a row. Uh, they had Iowa uh, on Saturday. And uh, they lost 92-73. to Caitlin Clark, again, doing Caitlin Clark things. She scored, I think, 38 on 20, 22 shots. And she scored 38 points. So another efficient night for Caitlin Clark. So, uh, but the women host uh, Purdue. Uh, tonight at 7. Pennsylvania. Huge game. Yeah. Not too big of a like, hey, I want to make sure I watch Nebraska-Purdue. Huge game for Avery Williams' team, and here's why. We talked about this uh, on the 10 o'clock news last night. Nebraska right now has a net ranking of 28. They are in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. They're probably 8-9 seed-ish. Again, don't like to get ahead of ourselves too much. But if you lose to a team like Purdue, which is under 500, you know, the, those games can really damage your tournament resume, especially at home. If you lose to a team like Purdue on the road, sins can be forgiven. I don't know if they can be forgiven if you lose those games at home. That's why I think this is a, a sneaky, important game for Nebraska uh, against the team you should win. And it gets them back on the right side of the ledger because they mm-hmm. are coming off back-to-back road losses. Purdue is 9-11, uh, overall 2-7 and seven in conference. 
They have lost six in a row. It's funny. Amy Williams was talking about the Boilermakers yesterday, and she was talking about how veteran of a team that they have and their guard play, very experienced. And as she's saying this, I'm thinking, well, Jazz Shelley came back for an additional year. She's experienced. Mm -hmm. And Darian White is you know, a, a grad transfer who's playing really well uh, in the backcourt for Nebraska as well. So it's interesting to hear Amy Williams praise Purdue's experience and then also know that's kind of the makeup of her team as well. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating for this matchup. And, you know, this is going to be the women's team's first home game since students have come back. That's from really? semester break. Is that not wild? Yes. So, of course, those girls are probably really anxious to get back on the home court and have some of their fellow students cheering them on. It also, the semester started really late. Yes. I remember the semester starting a lot earlier because it was the 22nd, I think. That was, was the longest semester break in the history of semester breaks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they have Purdue tonight, and then they have Rutgers on Saturday. Rutgers last in the league. Mm -hmm. They're 6-17 and 17 overall, 0-10. Again, so two good games here for Amy Williams to kind of uh, straighten the squad back out after a couple of tough losses at Penn State and at Iowa and kind of get ready for hosting Iowa on Super Bowl Sunday. And Nebraska's played a pretty weeks. tough schedule this year, too. Yeah. So I think that they are battle-tested. And generally speaking, when you schedule pretty aggressively in the non-con, you know, you play Creighton, uh, and then you have some of those Big Ten heavy hitters early in the conference season, you see the, the benefits of the rigorous scheduling as the regular season winds down. Because you've been battle tested, you know. Mm. I can picture the script for name the date, February twenty uh, first. We'll be talking about the women's basketball team and how they are prepared for a stretch run based on the competition that they've faced previously. Mm. So I, I think that they've set themselves up to hopefully close strong. If you remember last year, Nebraska missed out on the NCAA tournament. They're a little bit of a bubble team. They didn't have the best showing at the conference tournament. Uh, and then they made a run in the WNIT. Mm -hmm. and I, I know this year they, they are determined to get back to the NCAA tournament, and they appear to have the squad to do that. Uh, Alexis Markowski leads the conference in double-doubles. And, of course, they have Jazz Shelley, uh, who's sh shooting uh, at a pretty high clip. She ranks in the top ten in the conference in three-point field goal percentage. 13-7 and seven overall, 5-4 and four in the conference, hopefully adding a couple W's to the win column there this week. Really quickly, just some other, uh, again, things going on. Wrestling on a bit of a run now. Uh, they've won four matches in a row and put on a show the last couple uh, outings. Uh, they were at Wisconsin on Sunday. And they won that uh, duel 28 to 9. Uh, Nash Hutmacher, I think, had uh, 19 points, if I remember correctly, in his uh, heavyweight match. And the match before then, Friday, uh, at Northwestern, they won 39 to 3. They wrestled really well at Northwestern. <laughs> yeah. And what Mark Manning is doing with his roster right now with the heavyweight spot, because everybody's wanting to watch Nash Hutmacher, and I get that. Um, but we've talked previously about Harley Andrews and how good he mm -hmm. is. It seems like they'll let Harley wrestle once. Um, over the weekend, and then they'll have Nash do the other match. And it's, it's going to make it uh, pretty interesting to see what they do as they uh, roll deeper into the schedule. Nebraska's back home wrestling-wise. Uh, I know they have a home duel on Sunday. Illinois. And, uh, you know, that's going to be exciting. They've got a couple of home ones coming up here. And uh, be, beyond Nash and uh, Nebraska wrestling as a team doing really well, Ridge, love it. Shout them out here. Ranked number one of the country. He's undefeated. And um, and we got a story on Ridge that's going to be airing soon. And let's just say this. 
when he takes the mat, he expects to win. And that mentality has led to, guess what? Winning. Mm. He's been dominant this year and really fun to watch. And the season is almost, I mean, the regular season. They only have four duels left. Mm-hmm. It's uh, at or, uh, home against Illinois, home against Michigan, uh, at Penn State, and then maybe you can shed some light on this, why they are wrapping up the year at Arizona State. Yeah, they've got a road uh, a road non-con at the back that's, end of the regular season. End. And then Big Ten Championships uh, are March 9th and 10th in College Park, Maryland. Uh, with National Championships, I didn't know this actually, it's down in Kansas City. Yep, so, this year. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Um, so that's uh, wrestling. We kind of touched softball and baseball, but again, those fan days coming up this weekend. Um, volleyball, the only kind of news note I had out of there, Allie Batenhorst announces she's transferring to USC, uh, but is continuing to play the beach season with the Huskers uh, this spring, and then she'll transfer after she graduates in May. And the signees for Nebraska mm-hmm. are semester enrollees, so they will be with the team training here uh, this spring semester, which is always exciting. Nebraska adds uh, Skylar Pierce, an outside hitter from uh, the Kansas City area, and Olivia Mock, a uh, very talented libero slash defensive specialist from Bennington. And, um, yeah, beach season rolls up next month. Yes, it does. Uh, and then for football, um, again, the, the winter workouts have kind of started, but the big news from football is Glenn Thomas. Uh, last year, this last year was a offensive assistant for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Joins the staff as co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. We don't know who the play caller is going to be for don't the upcoming season. I believe it would still maybe be Marcus Satterfield, uh, but the co-offensive coordinator tag. I think that was a bit surprising to some fans. That, mm-hmm. You know, we we knew that there was a very strong likelihood of a quarterbacks coach joining the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they went out, they got Glenn Thomas, who has a relationship with uh, Matt Rule, has actually served as Matt Rule's offensive coordinator previously. Mm-hmm. So he comes in, uh, he was on Husker Sports Nightly uh, just last night and really seemed excited about the job and very pleased with the quarterback situation that he uh, is going to be in charge of. And that includes Dylan Riola, uh, Danny Kalen, the uh, signee from Bellevue West, and then also Heinrich Harburg, who is back uh, for the upcoming season. And uh, Glenn Thomas, again, uh, last year was with the Pittsburgh Steelers as an offensive assistant. In 2022, was the offensive coordinator for Arizona State. Spent a couple years as the OC at UNLV. And then you kind of get back into his time, uh, 2017 to 2019 at Baylor, 2015-2016 uh, at Temple. And then it's been some time with the Atlanta Falcons, I think back in kind of Matt Ryan's heyday. Uh, as well. So that will be interesting uh, to kind of see how that works out. And we'll obviously kind of get to know him. He's got a, a wide more. range of experiences there. I'm sure that Glenn Thomas can, <laughs> can share some stories. Look forward to having those conversations. hundred percent. And then to kind of finish things off, what did you make of the AFC and NFC championship games this last weekend? Well, the chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. They are. And I can sum it up pretty quickly. Winners win. Winners win. They do. I was, they just have that DNA. The chiefs do the, you know, the amount of third downs that they converted was pretty staggering, and it looked like a team destined for the Super Bowl. Um, I, I'm fascinated about the game that's ahead, Super Bowl uh, 58, 49ers versus the Chiefs. Uh, you, you've got a lot of star power there. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about people that are going to be in the uh, skyboxes. We're talking about on the field. <laughs> uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Birdie, uh, it, Brandon Ayuk. This is going to be a good – I think it's going to be a really good Super Bowl. Yeah, I uh, I think so. Well, I th- I thought when we spoke last time, I thought the Ravens were gonna. I mean, it was all laid out there. The season they had, Lamar Jackson making a run at the MVP, and I f- they just kind of laid a clunker. You just can't bet against the Chiefs. 
Not in the playoffs. <sighs> Even though not. you know they were in the wild card round, you know they've looked like the best team in the AFC over the past I don't know month and a half. Uh, and I, the 49ers have looked like the best team all year. And you know sometimes I think it's maybe just not I don't know how maybe not appreciated just how good the NFL is when you have Brock Purdy playing the way he is playing, who was the last pick in the NFL draft. And then also Isaiah Pacheco, the running back for the chiefs also taken in the seventh round and just, they're good. <laughs> like seventh round draft picks. Right. Headlining that's like the new, that's like the new storyline for this year's Super Bowl is the, the late round draft picks becoming uh, stars on their teams. Typically, it's the undrafted free agents because, you know, when the Patriots had their run, there were so many mm -hmm. pieces that they had on that team that they weren't even drafted. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're not familiar with Isaiah Pacheco's story, you know, spend a few minutes on YouTube. Uh, that dude has been through a lot personally. Um, yeah, in his personal life, he's been faced with multiple tragedies. He's lost uh, siblings and... Uh, he, he doubted what his football future would look like, and now he's become uh, one of the elite running backs in the NFL. Well, and you just watch him, and you can just see how hard he is working. And he how runs hard... mean. Yes, he does. He, he runs, I feel like, kind of how Nebraska used to run back in the 90s. He's also got a pretty good offensive line. Yes, he does. He does. Uh, do you have a prediction for how No, this... I haven't gotten there yet. The only prediction I have is that you can watch it on CBS. Yeah. Right here on 1011. I'll so, get back to you on that. All right. I need yeah. to give that more thought. I'm got, excited about the matchup, though. I think couple, it's, it's going to be a pretty good game. Got a couple weeks. There, to... And there were fireworks in my neighborhood on Sunday, multiple occasions, even when the 49ers won. <laughs> there is a house uh, a couple blocks away from ours that, you know, they fly a 49ers flag. And so when the fireworks were going on late Sunday night, uh, it wasn't for the Chiefs game. It was for the 49ers. Everybody knew who was setting those fireworks <laughs> off. Would you... If I put you in Dan Campbell's shoes, would you have kicked the field goal or would you have gone for it on fourth down? you got to take the points, man. I thought so, too. And I, I can't uh, believe in what you believe in, but sometimes there's also, you know. Taking the points when they're there. Sports science that's involved in, in the way you play the numbers game. And Randy Gregory uh, will be the lone Husker represented um, in the Super Bowl. I think 63rd time, I want to say, I think. That's the number I saw. Well, they had a long, long, long streak. There that was. was snapped a few years ago, but now it's back. And uh, Randy Gregory, which he didn't even start the season with the 49ers. Nope. He was with the Broncos. Yep. Um, but here he is getting to play in uh, the biggest sporting event in the world. All right. Well, Kevin, we said we weren't going to talk long, but we talked for 35 minutes. So That's what happens when you <laughs> queue up just a variety of sports topics. All right. Well, appreciate your time. As always, appreciate everyone for tuning in, for watching. We'll keep you updated on the on the latest as, as it comes in. So appreciate everyone. I hope everyone has a nice Wednesday, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. And download the 1011 Now app.